With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. We want to welcome back our guest from Rivals.com. He's the basketball analyst at Bama Insider, Jordan Harper. Jordan's going to be with us through the duration of this episode. And I'm going to jump right in, guys. Can we start with the Alabama fan civil war (laughs) happening over Auburn's Final Four run? We have the part of the fan base who are probably your overly nice, accommodating people who kind of hope the best for everyone, and they're, they're rooting for Auburn because they're happy for their friends or state pride or whatever reason they've come up with. Then you have the part of the fan base that's disgusted with those people. Whose side are you guys on? I am definitely 100% no doubt on the forget those guys. <laughs> I could care less what Auburn does. I'll never root for them in anything just because I'm, you know, I'm 27 years old. I, I've been through the six years of losing to Tuberville, the six fingers, the honk if you sacked Brody bumper stickers. <laughs> I will never get over any of that. And it's not a rivalry if you root for your rival to win. I mean, do you think that North Carolina was rooting for Duke to beat Michigan State? No. I mean, that's what a rivalry's for. That's what makes it good. I, I am glad that Auburn is making basketball in Alabama more relevant because Alabama's kind of fallen down because for the longest time, Alabama's held up the banner as best basketball program in the state of Alabama because Auburn's been terrible and UAB's been down a long time. So I like that aspect, but man, I don't care about state pride. I don't care what UAB or Auburn does. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an Alabama guy through and through. I write for them. I mean, I've rooted for them all throughout my childhood, and I've never been a fan of those that root for rivals. I mean, that's what makes rivalries great is sometimes the hate can go too far, and that's over the line, but that friendly rivalry is what's always appealing and what's fun about it. Yeah, you know, to me, it wouldn't be a a spring for Alabama fans if they weren't divided over something, and we have this (laughs) this year now. So, look, I mean, I would just hate to see public figures of the fan base get a bunch of backlash because they were trying to convince their followers and stuff to do this and pull for Auburn and then delete their account. Hopefully that didn't happen. I don't know. But, uh, I don't think so. you know, my answer is pretty simple that it's just a hell no, because there were some of the Auburn people I saw trying to recruit basically Alabama fans on Twitter. Oh, y'all should pull for state pride, all this. So I started doing some searching through their tweets. And, of course, throughout any Alabama football game, national championships included, albeit there was a lot, I couldn't find anything about it. I found more anti-Alabama than that. So the hypocrisy was great. But to me, if you're pulling for Auburn and you can give me one legitimate reason why, then maybe I will consider you as not part of a cult. But other than that, right now you're just drinking the Kool-Aid to me and think you're being pretty dumb about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the business of rooting against my own interests. So make no mistake mistake Auburn going to the final four or even worse winning a national championship is not good for Alabama like can we make that clear this is really really terrible for Alabama they recruit the same players in the same state correct correct yeah Okay, so uh, in the 2020 cycle, there, there, I'm sure that there is some highly ranked basketball player, some guard that wants to shoot a lot of threes, and he's going to be deciding between Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Okay, do you go with the startup program, the guy that just got to town, or do you go to the guy that just won a national championship? Definitely Pearl. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm so, not giving them a compliment. So yeah, rooting, rooting for <laughs> Auburn is rooting against Alabama. That's all I'm saying. I just hope there's an additional bonus in Saban's contract for turning Auburn into a basketball school like they've been talking <laughs> about. So uh, he deserves that. So All right. Well, let's, oh, let's move on. Let's rewind to the day that Greg Byrne hired Nate Oates. About 45 minutes before that hire was announced via Twitter, every reporter, insider, anyone close to the basketball program was convinced Thad Mata had just accepted the job. Like, Blake Lavelle was our guest last week. He said that he chased the Thad Mata story. I even had a short conversation with him before the news dropped that day, and he straight up told me, like, look, this thing is close to being done, and Thad Mata is your guy. And he's not the only one that told me that. Then Greg Byrne (laughs) takes out his phone, logs on Twitter, (laughs) and announces that Nate Oates is the next men's basketball coach at Alabama. Someone please tell me how literally everyone got that wrong. Well, I mean, it's a conspiracy theory that Burns spread that rumor, right? I mean, is it? He, I mean, he had to have. I mean, how 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 could all the media, I mean, myself included, I didn't come out and say that was going to happen publicly, but I've heard from the same people over and over. Mata was the guy. Who else would say that, think that, and then come out and basically report that that was going to be the hire without any incentive or some truth to it? Byrne said it at the start. It's like, don't believe the media, don't believe anybody until it comes out of my mouth. And it eventually came out of his Twitter page. But <laughs> I bet he was on Twitter the whole time for that short 38 minutes that that was going around. Having <laughs> a whiskey uh, and a cigar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was seeing all the It's a Matter of Time tweets. Yeah. I mean, he, he was kicking back, loving it, just to see everybody realize that what kind of quote-unquote ninja he is that he proclaimed to be. And, I mean, that's the only re- way I can figure that out is that he, he spread that rumor himself or told somebody, and they, they spread it throughout the media. I'll just say I'm glad he's on our side since he's the type of person that wants to watch the world burn. So <laughs> that's awesome. No pun intended, right? Yeah, exactly, just to play on words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so Nate Oates got the news pretty quickly that John Petty was going to take his name out of the transfer portal and stay at Alabama. And now we wait on the decisions of Kyra Lewis and Trendon Watford. Let's start with Kyra. Where do things stand with that? How important is this for next year, for year one, that he gets his point guard back? I mean, I think he is a a bigger catch or a bigger priority than Landon Trendon Watford is, in my opinion, just because he played at Alabama last year. He was all SEC freshman team in Alabama, and Nados doesn't necessarily need a point guard to succeed in the system because he, he mandates that he has four players on the court at all times that can handle the ball. But the fact that you have a 18-year-old point guard with one year of college SEC experience under his belt to run that offense that he wants to run, that up and down quick, quick shot, that's everything think Kyra is just like he said on hey coach that he's perfect he is a perfect point guard for his system just like Jared Harper is for Auburn system for Bruce Pearl I mean they're very similar so landing him would mean a lot more to the program than Trendon Wofford just because that's a perfect system fit for Nate Oates and someone that he could really build that team around between the players that are staying and the ones that are coming in yeah, you know, I think I think I tagged you in that video, Brad, of the offensive set that I was talking about last week with the the ISO set from the point guard. Correct. Uh, did you watch any of that? Yeah, no, no it was. Uh, you should have gave me a viewer discretion advice. Heads up, so <laughs> imagine imagine Kyra in that situation. 
I mean, imagine what, that the ISO overload. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the misdirection set. It, it basically, yeah. it leaves the whole right side of the court open, and it tells the point guard, "Hey, beat your man." Could you imagine Colin Sexton in that offense? Oh gosh, <laughs> that would be viewer discretion advice. <laughs> but <laughs> but call is, my doctor. But is Kyra <laughs> is Kyra not the perfect? point guard for that set i mean nate oates has to have been watching film of kyra from last season knowing that he's running that set pretty regularly and thinking that i I have to get this guy back i said it before this past year that i thought that kyra lewis was a better point guard than colin sexton now you got a lot of misunderstanding of people thinking i'm saying that kyra is better than colin sexton that's not true but kyra is a better pure point guard than colin and colin could have really excelled in this offense just because his pure athleticism and speed would get him a lot of buckets and assist the sets that he runs but kyra is very effective from three pull up get to the rim excellent passer i mean he just has the iq of a 10-year nba vet and he's only 18 so, Jordan, what have you heard recently, you know, as of today, April 4th, you know, what do you, what do you think the percentage is that Alabama is able to pull him back on campus for next season? In my mind, it's a very good chance just from people I've talked to. I mean, he really likes Alabama. I think he's just kind of stepped back because Avery was his guy. I mean, he really liked Avery. Avery's the one that kind of helped him along the way to get reclassified so he can jump up a year and play. So losing him, I mean, it probably probably hurt him as it did some of the players. But he probably just wanted to step back, and his mom wanted to step back and just kind of look out there and see what else is there, get feedback from other coaches. And in the end, I think him not having to sit out a year, sure, a waiver is very easy to get nowadays especially with Tate Martell, but basketball is a lot different. They're a lot more strict, but I think the appeal of not having to go through that whole process and then being able to just focus on basketball. I mean, he can get drafted next year. Nate Oates can get him there, but it's going to take his dedication and ability to end up there. So from everything I've heard and from my gut feeling, I I think he's probably about 90% staying at Alabama. Uh, while we're waiting on the decision of Kyra Lewis, we're counting down the days until the commitment of five-star McDonald's All-American Trenton Watford. He makes his decision on April 20th at the Jordan Brand Classic. In the short time Nate Oates has been in Tuscaloosa, him and his staff flew to Destin while Watford and his family were on spring break. Oates got Watford on campus to watch practice. It seems like a lot of progress has been made in this recruitment almost immediately. Yeah, there's been a lot of progress because it looked very bleak for Alabama when Avery Johnson was still coached because he didn't like how things were run. He didn't like where the program was going. He wants to go somewhere where it's on the upswing. I mean, he's a winner. I mean, that's all he did in high school is win state championships, and he doesn't want to take a year off in college and lose. So he wants to go somewhere where he feels comfortable and where he knows that he'll have a good chance at winning. The trip to Destin, the phone call after he was hired, Earl Watford came out and said that he's he's dang sharp. So, I mean, they had nothing but nice things to say about the guy. From what I've heard, he really enjoyed practice, and he it's very confusing on his part because it looked like he was going to LSU and then everything kind of blew up there. Memphis, you know, their class is filling up very fast. Duke jumped in the picture. They haven't offered yet. So there's a lot of moving parts with his recruitment to go along with Oates coming in as Alabama's coach. So it's kind of confusing. I I would lean closer towards 55-40 Alabama in front with a 5% chance of Duke jumping in there with an offer. But it's really close. I would say it's a flip a coin on Alabama and Memphis. 
Yeah, can we just talk for a second that uh, <laughs> how baller that was? We've all had spring break stories, but later on in life, you're gonna be like, well, yeah, I went to spring break one time, but I had a Alabama come fly down and see me at the beach while I was on spring break. Uh, that's just freaking awesome. <laughs> Uh, So, look, I've seen some different opinions here regarding Trendon. If he does indeed come to Alabama or, matter of fact, wherever he does go, is it really a sure thing that he's a one-and-done type player? I don't think he is. I think he's a two-and-done if there ever was such a thing. His skill set translates to the NBA, but I don't think he's as polished yet. He's a little slow defensively. He takes some defensive plays off. He's a good shooter, but he can be better. Where where he's a lead at is getting to the rim and a good mid-range game. He's just a big kid, 6'9", with 225, 220. He's just a big kid that can move, jump, very athletic. So his skill set and his body type is a for sure three in the NBA, but he just has a lot of areas where he really needs to improve on. If he if he goes one and done, it'll be because he's drafted late in the first round or early second, which wouldn't be a smart decision on his part. Yeah, I've kind of been under the impression that Watford's signature could be worth more because it could be a multi-year commitment. He's the 19th overall ranked uh, prospect in the country on rivals. Some of the prospects in the latter half of the top 20 are usually kind of like fringe first rounders, I'd say. But he did have a big week at the McDonald's All-American practices, though. So I I think I'd be less surprised now than I would have been a month ago to say he's a one and done. But let's work in, in some hypotheticals here. Let's say Nate Oates convinces Kyra Lewis to remove his name from the portal and then signs Trendon Watford. What are your year one expectations? That a statue be built for Nate Oates, maybe? <laughs> I mean, that, that's dang impressive if they can pull all that off and keep John Petty out. But no, for real, I think they could crack the top 25 as they come back with that roster, with the players coming in. I mean, that I, I haven't counted, but just off the top of my head, that's at least six top 100 players. I may be wrong. I'd go back and check afterwards. But that's potentially six top 100 players in a system that's built to succeed in today's game with development, strength and conditioning in the summer, which seemed to be lacking over the years. I mean, they could take a huge jump here. I mean, don't discount them just because they didn't make the tournament and lost to Norfolk State. They were a couple buzzer beaters away from, one specifically, from making the tournament last year. I mean, they were the second team left out. So it's not like they're a far away, like when Bruce Pearl took over Auburn, when they were just down in the dumps. This team's ready to win now. They just haven't had good guidance over the years with Avery. Insert Oates and his recruit, or his staff, a good offseason and add those players. I mean, that's a borderline top 25 team. I mean, for sure, I'd be surprised if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Brad, tell me if you draw this hard line, because that's that's what I'm going to do. I think if he pulls those things off, we know exactly what we have a year from right now. Like, year one will tell me exactly what I need to know about Nate Oates, because that roster would be a tournament roster. He would have a year three McDonald's All-American in Petty, a freshman McDonald's All-American in Wofford, a point guard that's currently getting interest from Duke, and would have been a McDonald's All-American had he not enrolled early, and a player that led Texas in scoring in his freshman season. Like, I could keep going down the roster, but you get the point. This is not a roster that should be wondering if they're going to make the tournament on Selection Sunday. So if they don't, I'm drawing that hard line on Oates. And if they do, I mean, I I think it works both ways. If they're a sixth seed going into the tournament, like probably they should be next year, then I think we know what we have. And if they're wondering if they're going to get in on Selection Sunday, we also know what we have. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that line is a double-edged sword. And uh, you made a good case after the loss to Norfolk that this past season's roster could be a top 25 roster when you broke it down. I think if he pulls off getting Kyra back, landing the commitment from Trendon, I think it's without a doubt a top 25 roster going into next season. You look at the success this system has had. Now, granted, not in the same style of a conference as the SEC as a whole. However, it is year one, high expectations. You get all those players back and the hype and the excitement and everything. Thing, I am okay with people getting really crazy with their expectations for year one. I, I will allow it. Now, like you said, we go back to the NIT again, though. There's <laughs> yeah. going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of hell to pay, so to speak, uh, when that season's over. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of unhappy people, and me being one of them. <laughs> of course, the roster I don't think is complete yet, even if those two things do happen. The recruiting aspect of things is interesting to me because it can be telling when it comes to numbers. Of course, Alabama's allotted 13 scholarships. If Kyra returns, they're at 12. If they land Trendon Watford, that's 13. They still seem to be gauging interest in grad transfers, and they offered Harlan Beverly a top 100 combo guard out of Florida. Does this tell us that they may be expecting another transfer, or are these backup plans in case Kyra leaves and Trendon goes elsewhere? I think it's more of Oates getting his ducks in a row before the offseason starts and all these transfers start landing somewhere. Because, sure, he can. He probably has a good idea whether Watford is coming or not by this time, which typically the coaches do and you know us, us fans and media personnel like to guess. But typically the coaches know a week or two in advance. So he, he could be planning for that. And I think he knows where Kyra's going, so I don't think he's kind of counting in that. But I'm thinking he's planning on one or two players to transfer. Now, I don't know if who those players might be. My personal opinion, Deontay Wood may be one of them. He may be lost in the shuffle and want to go play somewhere else, and they may can work out a waiver or something for him to go, or somebody like Javion Fleming, he may not fit in well. Just throwing out hypotheticals there of two players that could transfer, and then they replace them with more experienced grad or JUCO transfers. Because one name that's come up is, you know, James Beetle Bolden from West Virginia. Um, he's been talked about a lot by people. He would be a great addition and would actually give Alabama a legit backup point guard to Kyra Lewis since we really haven't had that in the past, except for Avery Johnson Jr., and you know how people <laughs> feel about that. And it just seemed like it dropped off after Kyra Lewis left the court. Like, there was a lot of turnover. They were out of sorts. So getting a guy like that, adding someone like Raymond Hawkins, right as soon as Nate Oates was hired, he offered Raymond and said, come to Bama and be great. So Hawkins jumped on that, probably wise that he did. He will probably be in, in line for playing time, and that's a position that Fleming plays. So it could force some hatred towards there. He may not like the system that Oates runs and may force a transfer where they can take somebody else in. Yeah, look, you did bring up that, that he landed the commitment of center Raymond Hawkins this past week. I wanted to get your opinion on this. I don't know if you guys have watched his film, but last week me and Brad talked about the ranking discrepancy between 24-7 and other sites when it came to Hawkins. He's a, t- he's a top 100 player on 24-7 and a three-star and unranked nationally on Rivals. That's a pretty massive difference. And the more that I watch of Hawkins, the more I lean towards the top 100 ranking being the correct one. Am I like? Am I seeing what I want to see here? <laughs> I think you are. I'm not, obviously, I, I don't make the recruiting rankings for rivals. I, I, I talk to the people that do, and one guy that's a national basketball analyst, that I won't say his name, but I talked to him about Raymond very very recently, actually, and I asked him just what his opinion was, and he said extremely talented. He just needs to have structure and be in the right system. And I asked, do you feel like Alabama is in the right system? He said, yes. He wasn't really in high school, 
He didn't average great numbers, and he didn't really jump off the film at you, but that's mainly because of the system and the structure he was in. He needs to be somewhere where he's going to be held accountable and a system that will play to his strengths. He's a very athletic, has a nice vertical, get off the floor really quick, and he's a true low-post player. That's something Alabama's lacked in the past. Dante Hall, everybody thought was going to be it, but he was more of a rim protector every now and then and a good alley-oop target. So to have somebody that would bring a true low post presence is big. And, I mean, to have him and Galen came on at the end of the year as he did the previous years, if they could somehow turn around Galen and have Raymond to come in and back him up, I mean, that's one of those reasons why I think Fleming could transfer. I mean, Hawkins is that talented. I would lean closer towards being a top 100 player than, you know, what other sides say. Yeah, and the main thing, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, but the main thing that stands out to me when I watch his film is that he runs the court. Like, he's not this slow, methodical big man. He's energetic. He hustles. Most importantly, I think he fits into the system, like you said, that you need to be able to run with your guards if you're a center on Nate Oates' basketball team. So regardless of ranking and what type of player he becomes at Alabama, this is the exact type of big man that we should expect Nate Oates to target in the future. All right, so we covered the uh, the recruiting side, and I want to switch gears here Jordan and let's talk about the assistant coaching staff that Nate Oates is putting together obviously we're limited on the uh, number of assistant hires we can have or holdovers so I wanted you to kind of walk us through who you think or have heard or expect to be the assistants on coach Oates staff for this first season well he's already said that he's bringing Brian Hodgson he was somebody that before really wanted the Buffalo job on the head coaching job I think that Oates has sold him on coming to a bigger school, being an assistant, where he would be paid not as high as what Buffalo could pay him, but very similar salary. But he, he's an elite recruiter, man. I've, I've seen some of the players that he's pulled to Buffalo, and he most recently just pulled a top 100 player there, and that's the highest that they've ever signed. And signed at their number 68th best recruiting class last year, which was also the best signing class in Buffalo's history. He's a big recruiter. He's been at Buffalo the four years that Oates has been there, and he's somebody that's really gone to recruit not only the north and the east, but he can venture out into the Midwest a little bit too. I, I believe Antoine Petway's going to stay. That would be a huge staple in that staff to remain connected in the south because he's, bring, he's bringing some northern guys down that's never recruited down here. And there's a lot of talent in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina. So he's got to keep that southern connection there. So I expect to see Antoine Petway stay. And the third assistant coach, I mean, it, it's been speculated whether Bucky McMillan should come. Corey Weitzel, who is also assistant up at Buffalo, who's off the Rick Majerus coaching tree. But it, it really seems like to me, and it hasn't been confirmed or um, official yet, but I would I would look for a guy like Charlie Henry. He goes way back to the high school days with Nate Oates, somebody he's very comfortable with. Oates hired him. I believe he was around 24 years old, yeah, about 24, 25 years old, um, to be a high school assistant. Just graduated college. He went on to be a graduate manager at Utah, video coordinator at the, with the Pacers. And when he was with the Pacers, that's where Oates kind of wanted him to come, or where Hoiberg saw him um, when he was with the Timberwolves in the front office. He wanted to bring him to be an assistant with him at Iowa State. So he was there for the time Hoiberg was there. So he he's had success recruiting in the Midwest as well. He, he recruited Royce White. I don't know if y'all remember him. He was a standout player for them and I believe it was 2010-11. Ended up getting drafted top 20 overall. He recruited him second year there. So he's another big recruiter. He's only, 30, I think, 32. I mean, he's very young. So he, he's somebody with a lot of potential. He, he co- was a head coach the past three years at the Windy City Bulls. 
the G League team affiliate for the Chicago Bulls and was hired on there by Fred Hoiberg as well. I believe he'll end up being the third assistant hired. You know, he already announced he's bringing his director of ops person from Buffalo, and he's bringing Mike Snowden, who who's going to be a big improvement in the strength and conditioning area. Um, a lot of people don't know, but he served in the Navy in the late 2000s and actually ended up getting a presidential service badge from President Obama. I mean, he he was a yeah, he was a great officer in the Navy, and I don't know exactly how long he served. He's I know he served over his five years, but he's been at Buff, graduated from George Mason. He's another Northern guy, and he he served the last two years at Buffalo. So Oates is bringing him down. Loves what he does, and what I've heard is he's very disciplined, structured, and he is going to work their tails off. I mean, he's he's going to make sure they're in shape to run the system that Oates wants. We've heard they've had a couple of practices already and that <laughs> it's not going so well for a couple of the players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, I mean, it, it's telling, isn't it, that when Oates said that a lot of these players have never seen this type of practice before. I mean, this is college, yeah. and these, yeah. these players haven't seen that. I mean, that just must show what the practices were like when Avery was there. Brad, how long do you think that you would last in one of those practices? Uh, if I have to walk up or down steps just to get to the court, I'm screwed. <laughs> the, the vodka diet probably wouldn't wouldn't uh, go over too well there. Um, yeah, these suicides are brought to you by Tito's. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we do want to hit on something real quick before we leave. It's not basketball related, but Brad, I know that you are crushed. I, I know that your feelings have been hurt this week <laughs> with the news that the AAF is ceasing to exist. It is no more. And you're Birmingham Iron. I know that you're a lifelong fan. Yep. But, Same here, Brad. Hey, yeah, man. Forge on and uh, forge on forever in our hearts now. Hey, exactly. no, no more Trent Richardson <laughs> touchdowns for Brad. Well, I'm glad you brought him up because I will say this. As a lifelong fan, I want to go ahead and lead the charge here to get him a bust in the AAF Hall of Fame that hopefully will one day be a thing as the greatest AAF running back ever to play the game. Yeah, he scored more touchdowns uh, than anybody, right? Yeah, it is Clear actually. Clear-cut MVP. Right. Yeah, it's undeniable. Spurrier, Spurrier yeah, the know, coach of the year. Yeah, you know, Spurrier is saying the Apollo should be the, the champion. Well, I mean, who cares about that when Richardson should be the MVP? I mean, those are the, those are the questions that need to be answered. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I saw Spurrier and Rick Neuheisel, the head coach of the Arizona Hotshots, going back and forth on Twitter about who should be the champion. Uh, that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> Look, I know we joke, like, but in all seriousness, this is a, it's a lot of second chances, like that are, it's just vanishing for a lot of guys. It's really terrible. From what I understand, this is not a financial decision. The league was doing fine financially, right? Uh, it's debatable. They at the end, though, they were. It was like the fire fest, basically. <laughs> okay. um, you know, at, yeah. at the end there, they were making the guys buy their own flights, pay for their own, own hotels. They had the investment for, I believe it was $260 million by the owner of the uh, Carolina hockey team. You know, and he took over majority ownership to run it. And honestly, it was just a massive cluster. They tried to put all their cards on the table and make a NFL deal happen with the, PA, the NFLPA to become their G League, so to speak. And you can't do that when your regular season is just finishing and it's inaugural season. And what's going to really piss me off is if the damn XFL debuts next year and lasts more than one year. <laughs> well, well, Vince McMahon will be laughing so hard if uh, that happens. All right. Well, everybody send their thoughts and prayers to Brad tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has lost his team. Uh, this has been the Roll yeah. Bama Roll podcast. Do not support Auburn. Roll Tide.